This is Innovating a Bright Future. Hello, welcome back. Here we are for another bonus episode. I'm Avery Kreiwold, your host as always, and this is Innovating a Bright Future, the show where I walk you through the innovative and revolutionary technologies driving climate action and laying the foundation for a sustainable future. Our first bonus episode of the season. I'm not entirely sure if it's even proper that I call these bonus episodes now in this new format, since they're coming out basically alongside every episode and there's more of them, but I'm going to call them bonuses anyways, because why not? For this week's episode, as I hope you've determined from the title, we will be delving into the topic of collective action. Collective action is a kind of term that gets thrown around a lot, more and more in the realm of social and environmental issues these days, and to some extent it's a good thing, which we will get into shortly. But it has also become somewhat of a catch-all term, so the goal of this episode is to simply clarify what collective action means, how it works, why it works, and how we can, and ultimately have to, utilize it to the best of our ability if we want to make any real progress in the field of climate action. By definition, so a starting point and by no means the end of the road for this discussion, collective action is any form of organized social or political act carried out by a group of people in order to address their needs. So when you hear climate activists or political activists talk about quote-unquote organizing, this is what they're talking about. It's in the definition. In order for an event to be considered collective action, it has to be organized. Collective action, or organizing as a more general term that I'm going to use here and there, is a method of disturbing the status quo by exercising the power of a large group in order to influence the powers at B within a social or political structure. I made that entire last sentence up. That was pretty good, right? This is important because it is society's best method of seeking justice from injustices. There have been many examples of this throughout history, from the civil rights movement to the pride movement, labor unions, and of course, environmental activists. In all of these cases, individuals who felt they were being served an injustice came together, organized, if you will, around a common goal and utilized social strategies like strikes public notice campaigns, boycotts, petitions, and political action in order to strengthen whatever social movement they stood for, and by extension, make tangible change by making their voices heard at the very top level of politics and business. One important note to make when talking about collective action is that the creation of a social movement like this is fueled by self-interest. The suffragette movement began because women were tired of being treated like second-rate people. Same thing with the civil rights movement. From that initial creation, other individuals and groups may join the movement out of empathy and a desire for justice, but the beginning of a movement is always marked by a group of people looking to right an injustice. When we come back to topic and try to relate this to climate change, it may initially seem like that isn't the case. As we will discuss in the next bonus, it can be extremely hard to give climate change an empirical measurement. But that's not really what collective action is about, is it? The heroes of the civil rights movement did not set out to reduce conscious prejudice against black people by at least 80% over the next three years. No, it was about alleviating the pain of an oppressed people who were treated inhumanely by those in charge. And in the truth, when looking at the emergence of the climate movement and those who have contributed to such a cause, it becomes clear that self-interest continues to be a motivator for actors in this field. At this point, it may seem that many Western, 
highly developed countries are just beginning to feel the impacts of climate change, with severe weather damaging infrastructure, causing loss of lives and homes through fires and storms. If we were to discuss the environmental movement from this point onwards, the motive of self-interest is evident. The tangible impact that severe weather especially is having on communities all over the world may be causing the surge in participation from young people especially that we are seeing gravitate towards new eco-consciousness. But this is not where the environmental movement or the climate movement began. It began years ago, with reports from the IPCC, the Paris Agreement that is quickly approaching its 10-year anniversary in a few short years, Books devoted entirely to climate change, like Bill Gates' How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, or Al Gore's documentary An Inconvenient Truth. The climate movement truly started the moment that the first person learned about climate change and decided it was a problem worth solving. It is nearly impossible to tell exactly when this movement drew its first breath, but it was before the IPCC became a public focus, before the extreme weather events could be inextricably linked to climate change and illustrate fully the dangers of a world changing at such an extreme rate. And this is because this movement began with self-interest from foresight. The foundation of collective climate action was laid by those who saw the signs, extrapolated the meaning of climate impacts, and realized that the worldwide impacts of climate change, and more important, the impacts to the people of our planet, would only continue to get worse. It is that injustice and that oppression that the climate movement was founded on. And I want to take a small detour here, because it has to be recognized that this movement, which has grown exponentially in the last decade, owes a lot to people of color across the world. We're going to do an entire episode on climate justice another time, so I'll try to make this section quick, but it is extremely important, so it's worth talking about here as well. And I have to preface this by saying that I am a white, heterosexual male living in a Western society. It doesn't get much more privileged than that, so I am learning while talking about this as well. For this section in particular, I would highly recommend that if you listen to me talking about climate justice and you have something you want to discuss, whatever it be, a challenge or an affirmation that I got something right, please reach out via any of the social media in the show notes. I would love to hear from you, and I promise to respond no matter what it is. Due to centuries of white oppression and colonization, people of color have largely been left behind or ignored. And to be clear, this applies everywhere, not only in developing countries, where people of color simply do not have access to the infrastructure of developing countries, so when climate impacts like droughts, famines, fires, or floods hit, they impact those in the most exposed places. Even in highly developed cities, because people of color have been left out of important decision-making processes like city planning, People of color are often disproportionately concentrated in places that are prone to environmental damage. Air pollution in black neighborhoods is significantly worse than that in white neighborhoods to give you a small, single sample of a larger problem. Link in the show notes to read more on that. And for a large part of the founding and building of the climate movement, it has been these individuals, those who are impacted the most, who have spoken up and ignited the concern that fuels the climate movement to this day. The concern that if we continue on this path, the environmental injustices that people of color have been experiencing for years will only increase, impacting more and more people around the world, regardless of race. It is that fight against injustice that leads to climate action. So that's where collective action comes from. Now how far can we take it? How can climate action benefit from collective action, and how would that even take shape? Let's take a look. 
You've probably heard me on this podcast talk about the importance of systemic change, making meaningful change at the system level, like where our energy comes from, what cars are affordable and easy to access, and where our food is sourced, because changing things at the large scale inevitably trickles down and has an even bigger impact than trying to reduce energy use and in turn reduce fossil fuel use, for example. At the same time, I have sometimes even minimized the importance of individual action, focusing on the little things, as they're called. I have, however, maintained that individual action is important because it encourages eco-consciousness in our everyday lives, it encourages climate discussions between others you may interact with, and it facilitates a kind of viral spread to personal impact, because when others see your dedication to climate action, they're bound to do the same, or at least look into it. I stand by all of that. Collective action and organizing on a large scale is a kind of beautiful marriage between the individual and the systemic, and it is the most effective way to transfer what may be small individual actions into large-scale change on the system level. See, collective action is utilizing the individually minute changes that people are willing to make and amplifies them, forcing decision-makers and those in a place of power to take notice. This coalesces in the form of things like boycotts, which is basically blacklisting a company based on their values. Large numbers of people refuse to buy from a company in the hope that as a result of their drop in sales, that company will change their policies, or, failing that, fail and make way for other companies to replace them. These actions can take the form of political action, canvassing and promoting certain political figures on the basis of their environmental platform. Of course, this can also be reversed, and certain candidates whose platforms don't align with sustainability goals can be campaigned against in the same way. One of the most impactful methods of organizing actually comes from inside corporations. Just like employees can unionize and strike for better working conditions, also a form of collective action, employees can form an imposing force to their employers on the basis of company policies concerning environment and climate. These often look similar to unions, a cohesive group forms, often with one or several appointed or elective representatives that negotiate between the labor force and the employer. And finally, there are demonstrations. Large numbers of individuals make a public statement regarding the general state of affairs, a certain political figure, or company, usually through protests. Of course, I'm leaving out a lot of options here, but from what I've seen, these are the big ones. Ultimately, collective action can take just about any shape, and every single form requires individual people taking actions that would be small on their own, and multiplying their impact by collaborating with others. A single person out on the street with the There is no planet B sign will pretty much get walked past without a second glance from anyone, never mind those who actually have the power to change things. But put out a call to action on social media for a climate rally in front of City Hall, a hundred people show up, and all of a sudden you've contributed to a force that has some weight behind it. The same is true for consumer decisions. Forgoing meat is a great place to start your climate journey, but start an online community of beef-free consumers, and all of a sudden you'll have grocers and fast food restaurants coming out with their own beef alternatives, and you've created systemic change. A single employee who doesn't like their job at the concrete plant because they've done their research and they know their employer is leaving out critical steps in the process to make it more sustainable won't get anywhere. Mobilize the entire shift crew for a climate policy strike 
and the employer will have no choice but to at least recognize and address their concerns. Systemic change. It's like magic because it is the single best way that everyday people like you and me can change the systems that have perpetrated climate change for so many years at the highest level without doing anything crazy. You don't have to streak through the streets painted in leaves to get people's attention. By using collective action, we can join small actions together to create something much bigger and more meaningful. Like I said, this is so important because systemic change is the fastest way to make progress. By forcing companies or politicians, or even just uninformed members of the general public, to start paying attention to the concerns that we are raising, it initiates a shift away from blissful ignorance to a place of reluctant acceptance. It's difficult to ignore collective action. It has to be dealt with. It's rare that any action will result in 100% satisfaction, but at least we get something out of it, whereas nothing would happen if every person only acted on their own. That concrete plant will have to negotiate with their employees to make their products at least marginally better, or else they won't be producing any product at all. Make a boycott big enough, and whichever company you target will have to choose between sacrificing ever more of their sales or putting some money into R&D to make better products. I've said for a long time that talking about climate change is the first and most important thing that you can do to work towards climate action. Talking to your immediate friends and family about going electric or removing beef from the diet is great, but if you want a whole city or country or even the world talking about climate change, organize and organize big. Media loves to drink in the protest stories, the calls for a political leader to resign, the nationwide boycott. Big changes get big attention, not only from those directly involved, but also from everyone around them. Set your target high enough, and soon enough, every news outlet and publishing center from east to west will be talking about your climate desperation, or your unrelenting push for change. Every time a headline makes it into majority news discussing climate change, is another chance that someone on the other side of the broadcast watches it and changes their whole life. And do you think Pepsi can ignore a nationwide boycott on Coke, calling for an easier methods of recycling their products? No, because they know if they don't get ahead of the curve, they'll be the next target. Organizing is beautiful because it starts with a goal, an ambitious goal, it creates change on the system level, and then it works its way down. Every systemic change is more opportunity for everyday choices to become more climate-oriented. Every push for change is another chance for the world to discuss what it means to take action on climate. So try it. If this is something you want to be a part of, it's probably not going to make national news the first try. And that's okay. But at the same time, it could. Send out a call on social media for a protest, research some candidates in your local area, and put the message out on who is making climate a priority. The bittersweet fact is that organizing for climate change is going to get easier as more people warm up to the fact that if we don't do something quickly, humans will run ourselves off of our own planet. It's only going to get more intense as the urgency grows and the push for not only system-wide change, but fast system-wide change continues to become more and more important. Now, I wish I could tell you exactly how to lead an organizing campaign that earned you a spot on the front cover of the New York Times, but I've never done it myself, so I don't think I'm qualified to give you those instructions. 
Instead, let's take a look at a particularly popular group who did just that in one of the most successful bits of modern climate organizing, the Sunrise Movement. Founded in 2017 in response to the declining progressive action put forth by Trump-led Republicans at the time, the Sunrise Movement is an American youth-led climate campaign seeking to promote renewable energy initiatives in Congress and demand climate accountability from U.S. representatives. It started small, like any other movement, but quickly drew as the mission and ambition of the group became clear to outsiders. In 2018, the year of American midterms, the Sunrise Movement saw its opportunity. Not long after, a call went out to Sunrise members and passionate climate activists to join a movement of collective action that would change the face of climate politics. Hundreds of youth climate leaders joined together and staged a sit-in in the office of House Leader Nancy Pelosi in opposition to her lackluster plan to establish a research committee for climate policy. Instead of accepting the slow and unambitious actions of Pelosi, the Sunrise representatives demanded that Congress adopt the Green New Deal, an undeniably ambitious piece of climate policy that would push for 100% renewable and sustainable energy sources throughout the U.S. Not only does the resolution demand renewable energy, it also focuses on climate justice, ensuring that every person in the U.S. receives a livable wage and supports a just transition, taking care of those whose careers in fossil fuel production and use are ended by the transition towards renewable energy. While many of the movement members were temporarily detained as a result of this particular excursion, the sit-in gained global attention because it's hard to ignore hundreds of youth bold enough and desperate enough to break the law and address the problem at its source. Not only did it get people watching the Sunrise Movement or talking about climate change, it got politicians to consider their position on it. The youngest congresswoman ever elected, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, personally took up the resolution, making it a primary point of issue in her platform and position in Congress. She was only the first to adopt it. Since then, the Green New Deal has been talked about by hundreds of news outlets and dozens of representatives, not only in Congress, but in political spheres throughout the U.S. and around the world. This piece of collective action transformed the way we think about climate policy today and established a benchmark of action in the Green New Deal. All of this came about because individual people, young people, felt the urgency of the climate movement and saw the failures of their government to address the pain that climate would cause if left unaddressed. And so, they organized. They put together a group of people that could occupy the office of one of the most influential individuals in the United States. It never would have been possible for a single person to do so. This is the power of collective action, and this is why we must use collective action to push the climate agenda forward. So try it. Yes, the Sunrise Movement was ambitious, but their leaders never would have thought that their Green New Deal has set the standard for years in the future. They may have hoped it, but they had no way to know. Since then, the Sunrise Movement has not relented in their quest for a renewable future and a just transition, occupying the DNC, Mitch McConnell's office, and organizing multiple global climate strikes. The Sunrise Movement is an example of what we can really do when we band together. So let's do it. This is just the beginning, and that's where we're going to leave off this bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and these stories have made clear the importance of collective action, because in my humble opinion, it is one of, if not the best way to push for systemic change. 
There are a couple of links in the show notes for you to check out if you're interested in learning more, and our Patreon if you want to support the show. Not much more to say today. Thanks for being here and taking this journey with me as usual. Stay innovative. I'll see you next time.